Welcome to The Prism Effect, a podcast with me, Larry Knoll, lead pastor of The Light in Kent. Just as prisms break light up into its spectral colors, I hope to help you discover the scripture's meaning for your life. I feel really strongly today as we prayed, as we worshiped, and as we prayed there that there is somebody that definitely needs to hear what I'm going to say today. And it could be you. I don't know. I know that we're all going through stuff and that it seems like it's constant right now. It seems like there's just a never ending supply of negative things that we face that we're going through. Thank you, Don. And what we don't have to worry about is, does God know about it? And does God care? See, you can just settle that one right now. I want you to look at somebody around you and say, God knows and God cares, just in case they're that person. Tell them right now. So God knows and God cares. And I want to speak on, this is the second part of this little mini-series, about the benefits of going through trials. So we already settled and established the fact, I should say, we've already established the fact that we're going to have trials. We're going to have stuff we're going to go through. And... um, So we might as well figure out how that's going to benefit us because God means for everything to benefit our lives in some way and to bring glory to him. And um, I don't know if anybody caught Mark Hilbish's testimony that was on TCT. Did you all get to see that yet? Okay. So if you go to our Facebook, I pinned it to the top of our Facebook. Go to our Facebook and watch that. ASAP, and maybe we can get that even on our website in our library somehow. Um, it's that good. Now, there's a lot of other stuff before and after Mark because this is a network and, you know, they have stuff to do. But there's a lead up to talking to Mark, and then uh, they, they talk a lot about Mark afterwards. So, this is where Mark was a cameraman, or still is, as far as I know. And, um, at uh, Total Christian, what is it? TCT, Total Christian Television. Television. Oh, yeah. Total Christian Television. And um, their studio is right here. One of their studios is right here in Akron where they do a lot of their production. And so um, they don't have employees um, speak very often on there. But this was so significant that they had... They felt they needed to have Mark give his testimony. And um, so anyhow, go to our Facebook page, or if you don't do Facebook, go to our website soon, and I'm hoping that it will be there. You know, a lot of times, Mark, back last year in 2021, we we felt very hopeful for you. I remember in particular in one of our Wednesday night prayer groups, we were here praying, and God just spoke like so definitely about it. And it was like, Don't worry about it. Well, you know, I'm thinking that I'm going to start seeing improvement. And we saw improvements. There were good reports we would hear about Mark. We weren't always able to get 
to see you, Mark. We weren't allowed in those facilities. Sherry wasn't even, you know, they would take her money, but they wouldn't allow her to go in and see him. You know, it wasn't fair. She's laughing about it now, but I wanted to go ring necks, you know, back then. But then we would have a good report and then a setback. And it just seemed like how many of the, you know, you, you want to keep moving forward in your life. You don't want setbacks. And boy, I tell you, Mark, I would struggle over this. Sherry, I struggled with that because I was just not liking that at all. Mark is my friend. Mark's not just a guy here at church that does stuff. He's not just a board member. We've been friends for a long time. We've done a lot of stuff together. And I love Mark. And it was killing me that God was allowing Mark to go through these things. And I was like, God, you could heal him right now. I don't understand this. And I know Mark and Sherry struggled with this more than I did. They were living it 24-7. And in the midst of it all, if it couldn't get worse, then their grandson was in, a car, was in an accident. And he stopped to help somebody, from what I understand. And while he was out of his car, a car hit him. And he was thrown, I don't know how many feet he was thrown in he was really i mean he was really messed up and i just i remember thinking god when i heard that how much more can they take especially sherry because mark was asleep a lot okay (laughs) he was isolated maybe from this he maybe didn't hear all the news as it happened maybe he did but sherry was handling all this stuff And making sure life was going on. And then this happens. And I was like, God, how much more can she take? And I remember saying, what good could possibly come of this situation? I really question God, not that he doesn't know what he's doing. But I wanted to know, God, what is your plan for all this? And I'm sure Mark and Sherry were deep in a valley of despair that they never would have imagined But I remember this minister, and I've told you about him before, and I can't even remember his name, but I can remember seeing him. And he would show up at camp meeting once a year. I would see him, and he'd have the same brown striped suit on every time. Everybody else showed up in new clothes to show off at camp meeting. This guy didn't have money for that, but he would wear that brown striped suit and that tie that looked like he'd been wearing it since last year. And that white shirt that was getting a little, you know, around here. And those dusty shoes that needed a little bit of polish. He wasn't as hip as everybody else was showing up to camp meeting. But I remember if you asked him how he's doing, he'd say, hills and valleys, brother. (laughs) Hills and valleys. I had no idea what he was talking about back back in those days. I was much too young to understand that. But if there's anything we learn is life is hills and valleys, isn't it? And we're not alone. Some of the Bible's greatest men, some of the Scripture's greatest people, the same thing. David. You know, if you read David, the Psalms, he seems almost schizophrenic. He almost seems, I mean, he just seems like he's, good Lord, is he bipolar? I mean, what is the deal? One minute he's praising God, the other minute... He's way down here. But then, you know, that's kind of like sometimes our life, isn't it? One minute we're up and another minute we're down. And we sometimes 
we get blindsided by those down times. And I want us to look at his most famous scripture probably ever, the Shepherd Psalm, Psalm 23. And if you could skip ahead, Richard, to verse 4 real quick. I appreciate Richard. You know, I got here this morning and Richard was shoveling snow in his shorts. His jean shorts that he wears and his flip-flops. His flip-flops. Guys, I went out to start the car this morning and I had jeans on. I went right back in and got corduroys on. I said, it's freezing out there. And he's there and he doesn't have a goose bump on him. You know what I'm saying? I really appreciate you, Richard. I know he didn't want anybody to know that, but I just chuckled when I saw him. I said, this man loves cold. Verse 4, Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, mm, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So if you tuned in today uh, through the Internet, we welcome you. This is The Light in Kent. I forgot to tell you all that. My name is Larry Noel. I'm the pastor. And the people here are the church here at the Light in Kent. Can I get an amen from the church? All right. Okay. And they are alive this morning. I want to give, I want to give credit to uh, a man named Davey Blackburn that I told you about last week. He provided the outline for this. He said it was okay to use it. In 2015, his family's world was turned upside down, much like Mark and Sherry's unexpected thing happened when he found out that his wife of seven years was murdered in their home during a break-in. I, can, I can't even imagine that scenario. So out of the stuff that Davy Blackburn went through, I'm going to tell you, he's able to give us encouragement through Psalm 23. And in this verse, we're going to see verses one. There's three sections to the shepherd's psalm. There's verse one through three, which is a season of life. And there's verse four, which is a season of life. And then there's verses five and six, which are also a third season. There's three distinct seasons that you experience as a person that you're going to see in this verse and what David was describing. Everybody alive listening to this here in this room is going to go through one of those seasons. You're either coming out of a season, you're in the middle of a season, or you're headed into a season. Do you hear me? You're in a season right now. I don't know which one, but you're in a season. But let's back up now. And starting with verse 1. I want to look at what Psalm 23 says about these seasons. Psalm 23, verses 1 through 3. I'm just going to read these three verses, then we're going to kind of take each one. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. <laughs> You know, with the Lord is my shepherd, my needs are met. Can you imagine what a beautiful season this is of life? This is that first season, verses 1 through 3. I mean, God has saved us, but it's beyond salvation. He protects us. He knows us. And he 
brought us into his fold, into his family. See, the Lord cares and for you and he feeds you spiritually. And then verse 2, my favorite season. Everything's good. It's all good, brother. How's it going? It's all good. That's when we actually say that and mean it. Because it is. It's all good. My bills are paid. The kids are well. The cars are running. The spouse is happy. Paychecks are coming. Neighbors are nice. Everybody's getting along, etc., etc. My mother-in-law went on a vacation to Florida, right? I heard that. I heard you think that. That's that's part of this wonderful season. We love this season of our life. Verse 3 is talking about such a spiritually great time. I give my heart to Jesus. Jesus encourages me. He blesses me on all kinds of levels. I just feel so close to him. He speaks to me daily when I pray to him. The scriptures jump off the page. The word is incredible. My worship times are like out of the box. I'm living the Christian high life, baby. What's your problem? I got it. You know, I'm feeling good in the arms of the Lord. See, verses 1 through 3 is that, that great season. We love this season. But then, around the corner is verse 4. If we could only stop on verse 3. Here it comes. Even though I walk through the val- to the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. My voice has to change to read that. The val- <laughs> I, This is not the season I signed up for, by the way. Life abundantly, uh uh-uh, this does not fit into that. And why do we act surprised and disappointed when this season comes? It's in verse 4, just read it. We want to live in verses 1 through 3, but verse 4 is there. You must read it and know what is coming. And Jesus actually warned you about this season. John 16, 33 said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. Jesus said that. You're going to have what? Trouble, yeah. Like I said last week, when these seasons come, where does your mind go? Here's where it goes. What did I do to deserve this? Oh, my word. I must have messed up with God. I'm out of God's will. I must be out of God's will. I made a huge mistake. Where are you, God? God, hello? Where are you? Do you not hear me? Have you ever said those things? Or have you ever thought those things? It's okay. I don't know what good it does to trust and obey God when this kind of stuff happens in my life. We think these things when verse 4 comes around in our life. When that season comes along in our life, we face the shadow of death when we face that dark valley in our life. Our human reasoning is that verses 1 and 3 seem juxtaposed to verse 4. Doesn't make sense. Wait, this is like, okay, this is like your grandmother pushing you down the steps, okay? How could she do that? Granny, who 
gives you the candy behind your parents' back. Granny who lets you stay up later. Granny who does all these things and just has this unending love. And then she pushes you down the steps. Okay? It doesn't compute in our minds that this loving God who gave His Son to die for us and did all this amazing things and who has been our best friend. And then all of a sudden, verse 4 comes. And it doesn't even make sense. We feel like we're tumbling down the steps. Right? So let's, let's toggle back and forth on verses 3 to 4 and see if it makes sense. Let's take 3 and 4 together. And look what it says. Verse 3 Part of verse 3 says, He guides me along the right path for His namesake. And verse 4 says, Even though I walk through the darkest valley. So if you put that together, listen as a sentence. He guides me along the right paths for His namesake, even though I walk through the darkest valley. Did you get that? That while I'm walking through the darkest valley, He guides me along the right paths through the darkest valley. Now it's different. There's going to be a dark valley, but I'm going to guide you through that. See, this has a different feel now, doesn't it? It's not like, boom, the page turn. It's like, don't forget the good stuff. I'm still that God, and I'm going to be good in the valley. See, separately, it just sounds like two different things going on. But when you mash it together, it's, it's really one thing called God's will for your life. It makes more sense when we connect the two. And maybe some of these right paths that he leads us into are really darkest valleys. See, my idea of a right path is success. Everything's going great. I'm on the right path. Praise God. Hallelujah. Whew. And then I don't do that when the darkest valley comes. I'm like... Yeah, I'm going to church. Praise God, anyhow. Hallelujah. You see? But when I'm in the darkest valleys, those right paths, I believe sometimes God leads us into those, He allows us into those dark valleys. Right, right. Okay, the word right. Righteous, right? Righteous. Maybe we have to walk through. Maybe it's required that we walk through the valley to become right. Maybe that's the only way to become righteous is to walk through the dark valley. Did you catch that? You don't want to catch that, but you need to catch that. Okay, you don't want to hear that. You will need to go through the dark valley to become right or righteous. And in that valley, there could be a process that's needed to sanctify us, to sanctify us, make us ready for service. That's what that means. We want to serve God. We want to do great things for God. God says, excellent. Thank you for that commitment. Now, here comes your training program, Dark Valley, Chapter 1. No, God, this is not, no, 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 no. This is not what I had in mind. He goes, 
This is what's required to get you to that place of service. I need to sanctify you. I need to prepare you for service. I got to get your self-righteousness out of you and get my righteousness all in you. Okay? We got to get rid of self-righteous to get his righteousness. Are you following that? Because we are self-righteous. I'm good. I'm good, God. I'm good just like I am to serve you. I'm excited about serving you. This is going to be great. Just like I am. Because I'm pretty good. And God goes, hmm. I think there's some attitudes that are going to come out when times get tough. Let's check it out. I see some bitterness that you haven't dealt with. I see some unforgiveness that you haven't dealt with. I see some secret sin that you haven't dealt with. We're going we're gonna to deal with that in the valley. We're going to work that out. And there may be more valleys. We're going to peel you like an onion, son. I said onion, not onion. See, valleys are where spiritual muscles are formed. Remember that saying, no pain, what? No gain. No pain, no gain. Muscles only grow when they're under duress. When you rip the fibers of those muscles and they repair themselves, they become larger. It's the only way to get big muscles, okay? And faith is this muscle. We have a faith muscle, so to speak, that has to be tested and ripped to be, grow stronger. It has to be taken to the limits and beyond the limits of what we ever believed that we would have faith for. I don't think Sherry and Mark ever thought they would go through what they just went through. They thought the stroke was bad. That was a piece of cake almost compared to this. That was like a blip. This was a year. A year. It was, listen, your valley may be a year. Your valley might be a month. Your valley might be 10 years. I don't know. But he said he would lead you along right paths in those valleys, right? The question is, does God cause these valleys? I don't believe he does. I don't believe it's within God's nature to do evil to us. But let me tell you what, he will leverage, listen to this, God will leverage what comes to you. I don't believe God gave Mark COVID, okay? I believe the Chinese gave Mark COVID, all right? If you really want to go all the way back, that probably will get censored on YouTube. Love you, YouTube. But you know what? Yeah, I just want to give him credit, you yeah. But I'm going to tell you, it's just a natural thing. It's a virus, and it jumps from people to people and looks for those who are, uh, you know, are weak and not being a, they're not able to fight it off, meaning their immune system is weak. I don't believe God gave anybody anything like that, but he leverages it. He says, now that you're going through this, I'm going to lead you along the right paths through this. I'm going to lead you along, along the right paths. I have a purpose. Romans 8.28. What does that say? So all things work together for good, you said, to those who, who are called 
who love God and are calling to his purpose. So maybe this isn't punishment for something you did wrong. Just think about this. This is not some response from God like, well, how dare you sin? Wham! There's a valley. See if you survive that. But God, listen, perhaps this isn't punishment. Maybe it's preparation. It's not punishment. It's preparation because you have a greater potential that you haven't reached yet. And this is the way you're going to reach your potential through this preparation. And if God has led you to the valley, he will be there to lead you through the valley. He will not lead you to and say, good luck. Hope you make it on the other side. He will lead you through. He will guide you through those right paths. So when you enter the season that's the valley, you need to ask God this question. What are you trying to do in me? Not do to me, do in me. God, what are you trying to do in me? Do it. Let's do this, God. Because I guess I'm going through this. So you accept that. What is God trying to do in us by leveraging these valleys? So, number one, do I have a slide for this? Number one, he's making you dangerous. Remember, how many remember the Cleveland Browns quarterback when he was good in his rookie year? Baker Mayfield, the only good quarterback we've had for like 44 years. And he was good a couple years ago. And he won this game like 20-something to 16. He came into the game. He wasn't supposed to play, I don't think, that game. And the other quarterback got hurt. I think that's the one. And he came in, and he ended up, he threw three touchdown passes. He had a, a quarterback rating of like 152, which is unheard of. We thought, we have got Johnny Unitas right now, incarnate. You know, we've got the next guy. He only He threw... All of his passes were completed except for three. It's amazing. And when they interviewed him afterwards, he said, I woke up feeling dangerous. I have a T-shirt that says dangerous on it. And we know it's brown and orange. We know what that means. See, I believe God is making you dangerous by taking you through these valleys, guys. I do. Listen to what this NFL, National Football League writer for all the ladies, Kevin Patra, this NFL writer, Kevin Patra, he wrote this about what the word dangerous meant. He said, what do you think think Baker meant? He said, the type of dangerous that topples opponents, the type of dangerous that breathes fear into the marrow of adversaries, the type of dangerous that can't be contained when it's all clicking. God is trying to make you that kind of a Christian, a dangerous Christian. Listen to this. Let's go to verse 5 now. We made it all the way through verse 4, the shadow of death. Let's look at verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. That's pretty dangerous, if you ask me, when you sit down and eat your burger and fries in the presence of your enemies. Oh, is that you over there? I'll be with you in a minute. 
I got two more of these babies I got to do before I meet up with you. (laughs) While we're in the valley of death, the shadow of death, God will feed you and give you time to even recuperate. It's what he's saying right there. That takes a lot of trust. Turn your back on your enemy for a moment. Go to church. Show up at turn. Worship God. Soak in his presence. See, we're busy. I got to solve this problem. I don't have time to go to turn. I don't have time to be at church Sunday. I don't have time to be in the word this week. I don't have time to pray. I got to solve this problem. Because I'm in charge of my life. And God says, hey, with me, you can turn your back on your enemy. I'll feed you. I'll restore you in the presence of your enemy. I'll, I'll keep them away if you depend on me. See, this is depending on God. This is a man that's confident that what surrounds him is greater than what surrounds him. Did you follow that? That what surrounds him is greater than what surrounds him. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Let's take this sword. You didn't know I had a sword here, did you? Thank you. Who's this, Matthew? Okay. Matthew's the guy that was hit by a car I was telling you about. If he'd have had this sword, maybe he could have saved himself a little pain. I don't know. But this is a fine sword, okay? Very heavy. Mark was worried that I wouldn't be able to yield this sword. Is there lights here? (laughs) Can you imagine? All right. So. This piece of metal here, if you just took this piece of metal before I made it into this fine sword, it's not very dangerous. I mean, you could probably pick up a glob of metal and I could whip it at Alex. And if Alex is slow, it might I might be able to bean him between the eyes or something like that. You know what I'm saying? But if you give that piece of metal to a swordsmith, a guy who makes swords, okay, and he heats up that metal to 2,800 degrees. That's pretty hot, isn't it? And it gets red, red hot. And then he hammers it. Bam, 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 okay? And he just keeps hammering it till it becomes this shape right here. All right? And he sharpens it and he puts an edge on it. Now, that glob of metal is fairly dangerous. It's a weapon. And if this is you, and you're in that season of verses 1 through 3, this doesn't mean much. This is more like verse 4. Okay? This is more like verse (laughs) 4. The valley of death. Why, Why is this so necessary to beat and heat this metal to make it into a sword. It's so that they can harden the metal and it's not too brittle. Otherwise, if they don't temper it, if they don't beat it into submission, into what they want it to be, and they go into battle, and they, they hit some other sword, it's just going to break off. It has to be hard enough to be able to be an effective weapon against the other weapons. You ever think that that's what all the hammering in your life is about? 
Why do I feel like I'm being hammered on? Why do I feel like I'm in the fire and I can't take it anymore? See, God is trying to make you into something dangerous. And this is what's required, everybody. We got, we got some fairly dangerous people here, I will tell you that. In good ways, okay? And see, when we get this thing in this condition, when that swordsmith does that, guess what? This sword has, this piece of metal has purpose now. Before it was just a piece of metal at the metal shop laying over there in the corner where they make that metal. And it didn't mean anything. And that guy goes in and, give me that piece right there. And he begins to beat it, heat it, sharpen it, polish it, temper it until it becomes this hardened piece of steel. Let me tell you what, our lives are not going to be what we imagine them to be, what we're praying for them to be if we don't go through some verse 4 in our life that season. If it's necessary for a sword, then... That kind of pain, I believe, is going to be necessary in our own lives. And many of, many of you just feel like the enemy is trying to distract you and discourage you, destroy you. But God wants to make you dangerous. This is what this is all about. And what the enemy means for evil, God means for good. Listen, can I just talk to you mighty warriors for a minute? Yeah. You mighty warriors. You mighty warriors, wherever you are. You're not wimps. You're not weaklings. God has made you to be dangerous. God is taking what the enemy is dealing to you and using it to turn you into something dangerous. Amen? Dangerous for his kingdom and against the kingdom of darkness. And lastly, he's mixing the ingredients. Put that slide up, if you will, if you can find it. Romans 8, 28. I'm going to read it again. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I always thought that this was saying that as long as I follow God, everything will be good for me, for me. Did you hear what I said? As long as I follow God, everything will be good for me. It would be just Disney princess endings all the time. Everything will just work out like I'm in one of those great movies. But what it says is, in all things, God works for the good. It doesn't say for Larry's good. It doesn't say for your good. It says for the good. Not always my good. You know, Sherry, when I was going through some of the darkest trials in my life, and people would walk up to me at church, and I know you had this happen too. I'm sure you did. People say, how you doing? What, what are you supposed to say? You're in verse 4. For a year, your life is in verse 4 for a year. The shadow of death, the valley. Are you crazy for asking me how I'm doing? But we, you know, we just, we just say that. It's an American thing. How you doing? In New York, how you doing? How you doing? 
It's just what we say. But think about it. There's times we are not doing great. We are not doing well at all. It's not always good. It's just not, guys. Take, if you ever make a cake, we don't bake very often at our house. Now, Mary made the most incredible batch of Christmas goodies I've ever seen her do in 14, 15 Christmases that we've been together. I just, she, she, she added weight to my body and just blessed me in so many ways by bringing all this home. And I did not share it with a soul unless you came to my house, okay? None of it left my house, though. It, you know, you had to get to my house to get those. And if you take, I remember her buying some of the ingredients. And if you take some of the ingredients separately, they're not good. Some of that's bitter even. Some of that's yucky. You know, like you ever just take a raw egg? Some of you bodybuilders, yeah. But you ever just take a raw egg, you know, and the cons- uh, it's yucky. It's yuck, yuck. And just eating sugar by itself, you know. Salt, eh, even butter is a little bit much, you know. You take those ingredients by themselves, they're not so great. But if you take those and put them together and put them in the right amounts together. I mean, I know Sophia, she can, this girl can cook. And I'm sure you do baking too. And when you put those things together beautifully and you know what you're doing... I've seen Irvina put this one dessert together, pineapple and cherries and something fluffy and creamy and bananas, and she brings it and puts it together here, and it's like, oh, you know, you're just like, I can't take it, it's so good, I need more of it, and it goes down like nobody's business. But she had to mix those ingredients, she had to put those things together. When it's put together, it's really, really good. Psalm 23, verse 6, our last verse says, Surely your goodness and love or mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You see, when it's all put together and we can see the cake that God makes, it's like he's got a cake of mercy and he's got a cake of of goodness and they're with us the rest of the days of our life those blessings just continue and we are dangerous because of what he's put us through and whether whether green pastures and still waters lay ahead or you have to go through a valley of the shadow of death let me just tell you what God's goodness and love is going to be with you he is mixing these ingredients, everybody. He's mixing them. And it may not make sense. We may not like that particular part of what consists of his plan for our life. But I assure you, he's working it all for the good. Your good in the end, as well as the kingdom of God. Father, we just come to you. It is one thing to say, oh, I commit my life to you. And it's another thing to live it out. When we came to you many years ago, 
We never imagined the stuff that we would walk through with you. But we have realized one thing. You will never leave us or forsake us. That you are closer than a brother even. These are all things that your word says about you. And God, you are the great shepherd. And we trust you. As we are in your fold, we know that you won't let anything. It's not meant to destroy us. It's meant to make us more like you. To develop us into what you have, the purpose for our life. And we can't stay the way we are and fulfill the purpose. Mark would have never had that opportunity, God, to give its testimony on TCT. He had to go through one of the worst things any employee has ever gone through there. And it got their attention so much that they broke their own rule and put him on TV. To show what you did. So already, you have made him dangerous. You are going to lift people up through his testimony. You're going to, you're going to, this testimony is going to strengthen people and encourage them. See, the enemy thinks he's got them squashed down and they're going to come across this video on our website, on our YouTube channel, on the TCT channel, and they're going to play this maybe by accident. And they're going to get encouraged that if God could be there for Mark, he will be there for them. That he is with them in the valley. God, make us dangerous. If it takes pounding, if it takes the heat, God, whatever it is, take us through that. We know that you will guide us along right paths. These are dangerous things to pray. These are dangerous things, but we're going to go through it anyhow. So God, let us, let us set our face like a flint to Jesus and his word. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I hope that this is like supercharges you. I hope this just like gives you confidence that God loves you so much and he's got his hand on you, right? I don't know. Are you in season verses one through three? Are you in uh, verse four right now? Or are you in five and six? I don't know. Wherever you are, that's not where you're going to stay. God will be moving you to one of those other seasons as time goes on. As time goes on, God is going to take you to that next level. And this is how he does it, you see. How many can say God is good? And you said all the time he's good? So all the time, even in the valley, is he good? Really? He's good down there in that valley? How many could say he's good down in the valley? You know it, okay? All right, let's give God praise today. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for helping us to understand. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I, I want to say thank you for those who have been with us through our streaming today on Facebook. And if you're watching us on YouTube, whatever way you are. Also on our podcast, we're so happy to be out there in several of the venues for podcasts, iTunes and Spotify and others. So um, we invite you to join us anytime, subscribe to our podcast so you'll be notified when new ones uh, come along the way. 
Uh, thank you again. God bless you. And if you're ever in the area, please feel free to come and join us. We're right here in Kent, Ohio. You can go to our website, thelightingkent.com, and get directions on how to uh, come to this church. Or if you would like to contact us, you can do that through the website as well. God bless. Thank you for joining us today. The original version of this message can be found on our website at thelightingkent.com. For more information, you can also reach out to us at info at thelightingkent.com or message us on Facebook.